call is now being recorded. Yo, yo. Yo. We're in the building, Channel 10 Podcast. I just want to let you know today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash channel 10. You have over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, or your MP3 player. So go to audibletrial.com slash channel 10 and sign up today. Also, to support our podcast, you guys can go to channel10podcast.com and click on the link to our Amazon portal. There's a nice little link at the top to um, where if you want to order something from Amazon, if you just click on that link and it'll take you right to amazon.com. If you go and you click through our link, we get a little commission off of your purchase at no cost to you, and we would greatly appreciate you doing that. Feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. What up, son? You got to do it, yo. Yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up? On, man. What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. What up? All good, baby, in every hood, son. What up, yo? CNN. Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace, cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Call is now being recorded. So, now that that's out of the way, how you been, man? I've been alright, man. How about yourself? Man, I'm just just maintaining through the stresses and struggles of life and everything like that. Dealing with uh getting sick and car issues and all of that. But I'm here in the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget about the uh don't forget about the uh the skin bleaching cream. Oh yeah. Cream. Matter of fact yeah. I um I posted that up on the uh, Instagram. You can check it out at Instagram.com slash Channel Ten Podcast. Um, I was in the uh, I was in the Family Dollar at the Alameda Shopping Center on the East Side, and I was going because my girl recommended that I get some black soap from there. I didn't even know they sold black soap at Family Dollar, but um, there's a brand called uh, Ambi A M B I, so I'm looking for it. I find it, but right next to it, I see skin bleaching cream. Mm. I was like, "Oh, I never thought I would see this in America, but here it is, right here in the, right here in the hood." It's a skin lighter. So, so that was your first time seeing skin bleaching cream ever, physically. Yeah, that was my first time just seeing. It, it just said it right on the box, skin bleaching cream. I I had to take a picture. I was. I was Fuck my head up for a second, like. Damn, man, like. Sometimes, like, I, I've never, I've never seen it um, physically before. Cause I realized that after you sent me that picture, but I wonder, the, I wonder, like, what company that was, and I wonder what would happen, like, if you just write them a letter or something asking them why they have some skin bleaching cream, mm. and if they will respond. 
That's a good. That's a good. I wonder if they've gotten any like protests or um or things like that. Let me see. Um, I have to go back and look and see what um what the uh, name of the company is. But yeah, I definitely want to reach out and see what's really good with this bleaching cream with hydroquinone. For a smooth, even complexion tone and a convenient tube. What type of shit is that? This, that, this is, man. We've been here since 1619. <laughs> well, well, slaves came here in 1619, but God damn. <laughs> yeah, about to say, man, we know they came before Columbus. Mm-hmm. But, but God, like, early. really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's. It's crazy. It's crazy and kind of scary to think about. Like, I was thinking if I if I if I ever see it, if I would like just buy it, just to buy it. But I'm afraid that maybe, like, maybe it'll uh, it, it'll burn through the tube and get on my hand or some shit. I mean, I'm kind of serious when I say this. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm just you know I would just be concerned about you know I would I mean I guess you know I don't really know anybody around there, but. It's like, you know, for me to get that, what people would think. But at the same time, like, like the way it was in the display case or like, like in the shelf, like you can see that they had spaces for it, and they had two rows of it. And one of the rows only had two left, and the other one only had one left. So I think people are buying it. Well, now I have. I- I have I have two more questions because now I'm now I'm wondering, okay, if what would happen if a white person uses it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's one thing, and the second thing is, you know, we we've talked about um, skin bleaching and you know uh, with Mavado and, and certain other people Vibes and cartel. how, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, my bad, Vibes, sorry, Bob's cartel, and how. It, it, I mean, how their, you know, their skin wasn't even. And maybe it's because they were only using one fucking tube when they need more. Obviously. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if you were to do something like that, I would think that, I mean, of course, you know, a lot of people who want to get splint, you know, want to use this type of stuff, they're using it for a certain reason, so they probably don't have this type of access, but... If you were to do it, I would think that you would want to do it under a doctor's care and all of that. But if I guess if you feel like you don't have any other option to advance or to, you know, make your life better, you see skin bleaching, you're just going to do that shit. Like, especially now, you know, the whole, you know, I like a long head, thick red bone, you know, just to, <laughs> just like, it's the way the colorism is promoted in hip hop. Um and, you know, how it's reinforced even I mean you would think in two thousand fifteen that, you know, this type of thing would be kinda of passe, but it seems like it's stronger than ever. And, you know, that whole thing about um you know, when they had the girl in the court or whatever and or the you know, the um that uh, study that they did, like which doll is beautiful, and they always pick the light one or the white one or whatever. Yeah. 
to the point where now I think I think I think now they're making Barbies in six different skin tones or something like that. Mm. I mean, well, you know, I'm not I'm not really mad at that. I mean, it seems like if anything, there would be you know a, a much more uh, a larger spectrum of colors for Barbie dolls anyway. You know, to reflect the culture that that you know the person was buying it comes from. Yeah, and 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 it's important for kids to see themselves reflected as images of um, mainstream beauty. And, you know, I guess now it's a good thing that kids are getting that a little bit more, you know, kids of every skin tone are getting it a little bit more to where they can look and see, um, you know, what the standard image of beauty that they're programming into people is these days and see people that you know, resemble them at least a little bit, you know, I think that's a, if if not a self-esteem booster, at least a self-esteem maintainer, at least on a subconscious level. Yeah, and, you know, I was thinking about, um, the, you know, the idea of mainstream beauty, what you just said, and, um, you know, in the midst of, you know, everything that's been going on, you know, South Carolina, Ferguson, Baltimore, so on and so forth, um, you know, like another thing of mainstream beauty that was kind of um that was kind of a big thing was when the Princess and the Frog came out. Mm. Um, and that was in uh two thousand and nine. And how it was like a really big thing that, you know, like the main character or the princess, um, of this particular Disney movie or just or just to have a Disney princess period be be a black person or be be a black girl or or woman. I, you know, I, I never really understand if these princesses are supposed to be teenagers or women. <laughs> but we'll just say she's a woman, uh, um, a, 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 a black woman. And that was like a really big thing. And then I think I read some article where, you know, there were, like some, there were some people who were like happy that they could go to Disney on Ice and they there's a, there's a black princess skating around that, you know, that their daughter or son or whatever could see. Yeah. And I'll oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it makes a difference and it makes you, I guess it it helps with feeling like you're a part of the um, mainstream society and that, you know, you're not just perpetually on the outside from birth, you know, just having that feeling of, 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 of uh, alienation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But- I don't know if you saw... Um, Recently, today, they announced that um, some big ballet company in New York, they're having uh, their first principal African-American dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, shoot, I should have her name, um, but just talking about this, it, it, it just makes me think of that. And then, like, I saw a bunch of articles about it, and then I heard her speaking on NPR, and she was saying, uh, it was like an older interview, and, you know, um, she was like how she's really an anomaly in the ballet world because, you know, she's African American, she's five foot two and um her bust is kinda big. <laughs> it's uh you know, those are characteristics that you don't really see in um the elite world of, you know, ballet. So even in that world, um you know, black people are, or, you know, people of different shades are starting to be represented a little bit more. 
Well, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, a little bit more, but then, you know, you, you have these niggas dying out here right now in the midst of, uh, these things going on. I mean, but, you know, but even still, you know, um, even with, like, I guess, the making of the princess, the princess and the frog, there were still issues with it, you know, um, I believe the character, I believe it was, like, the title character or whatever, Tiana, she was supposed, her name was supposed to be Maddie, I believe. Mm. And, you know, then they, but of course, you know, Oprah was the, uh, one of the consultants. <laughs> and so they, they changed the name. It looked like it was Maddie, and she was supposed to be like a chambermaid or something. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. It seems like sometimes, no matter how hard you try to really portray, uh, you know, I guess black culture in the mainstream fashion, and sometimes it still tends to fall short because I mean, look, we have the uh, a black man has the highest selling album ever, but he doesn't look he doesn't look black anymore. Yeah, what's crazy is um when it comes to Disney princesses, you know, we've had an Arabic and a Native American Disney princess before we had a black one. Um, and, uh, and, and a Chinese. Oh, that's right, and Chinese. No, but see, well, was Mulan Chinese? Yeah, this wasn't Chinese. <coughs> yeah, well, or Asian. I, I, you know, I'm not really up on it, but. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess we can just. Oh, no, we just need to say Asian for uh, lack of a better term. She wasn't white and she wasn't black. <laughs> but. Yeah. I don't know, it's. It's weird, and, and, you know, I was talking about this earlier um, off-air where, you know, it's crazy how we're 13% of the population, but we have such a huge impact on everything in the culture of mainstream society, even though we're not quite accepted. Like, all you see all the time is, is black, 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 black. Yeah. You know, whether it's for a good purpose or a bad purpose, you know. It's just, to me, something is up with that. Like, like, why so much focus on, on black people in, in the, in the mainstream of things? Like, why so much attention, praise, love, and hate for people who don't even comprise a quarter of the total of the population, you know, like the guy who shot up the church talking about, you know, black people taking over and and raping all our women and stuff like that. Like, (laughs) how is that even possible? (laughs) (laughs) Like, mathematically, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, maybe this all goes into the, you know, the, the idea that, you know, that we're the, we're seen, we're still seen as the exotic. Mm. You know, and then, you know, we, you know, we do have, have this distinct culture for, you know, for obvious reasons. And then even with, I mean, but then I guess it's the same thing with, you know, every other type of culture here, though, but, you know, we came a bit further. Something I I don't know, but then you know even within this 
this African American culture, you still have, you know, African cultures kind of, kind of, you know, still interwoven, of course. And then you still have these, these distinct, um, you know, just cultures that are just, you know, black and African in nature, like the Gullah culture and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely, it's definitely weird. And it seems to me that it's escalating, like how I was saying before, like just the effect of, uh, of black people and black culture and society. Like, when you have all these tragedies and events, like, you get the Trayvon Martin thing, and that was, like, the biggest thing in the world. And then you have all these other things, and then it culminates in the Mike Brown situation. And then when you see that and everything that happened there, it's like, damn, that was huge. And I really didn't think that it could go to another level, but it's gone to so many different levels since then, from Eric Garner to the brother in South Carolina who um, got shot by the cop who claimed he was trying to tase him and whatever, Mm -hmm. to, you know, what just happened at the church, to now six black churches have been burned in the South. Like, it just keeps escalating higher and higher and higher, and it's like, you know, I was trying to figure out what's going on, what's the impetus for it, and the only conclusion that I can come up up with is that the media has spun it, and they have a conscious effort to push it because it's making money, and then by them promoting it, it's spurring more things to happen. Because the guy who shot the um, people in the church, he said that. You know, he didn't get on his thing until he saw the Trayvon Martin thing and then started doing the research about black on white crime. And then that's how he ended up, you know, becoming radicalized. And that's all, you know, pretty much, um, you know, media influence. Mm. <laughs> well, Excuse me. And, um, you know, I was, I guess to bring it to hip hop, like I was saying before, like, um, I was looking at the BET Awards and, you know, the um, the Kendrick Lamar performance where he's performing on top of police cars and has people, like, sitting on top of him and dancing on the police cars and everything like that. And it's like, you know, it's cool. You try and get your message across. And I really liked the song. It was a good performance. But, you know, you're doing this. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, my goodness. Um, you're doing this on a on an award show for a station that's owned by Viacom, which is a huge mm-hmm. multinational corporation. And basically, you're doing this to make them more money, get them more ratings, and get them more advertising dollars. So they promote the bad stuff that happens, and then when people try to do something good, they promote it, and they make money off of it both ways, and they keep promoting it because it's such a hot topic and it's so controversial and everything like that, and it just seems like a huge money-making enterprise. And, well, you you know what's interesting about like you know when when uh, when the verdict for Trayvon came, and you know I was in LA and we were talking, and you know I had a although you know I am by trade a very strong pessimist, but um, you know when when I was in LA, 
to, to this day, that is the, I mean, this being in that area, you know, it's, it was just the most prejudiced place that I've ever been to. And it's and the irony of this all is that, you know, this this was all a university environment. And, you know, they're always, they're always considered to be liberal, liberal. And the thing is, you know, when we were all waiting for the verdict to come, um, it didn't help that, you know, in, in, in the midst of me being there, you know, in this liberal place that's supposed to be all great and good, you know, people, you know, going onto the other side of the street or, you know, having, you know, two women shake, you know, literally like kind of shaking and trembling because they had to be in an elevator with you or them waiting for another elevator so they don't have to go, they don't have to go on the elevator with you. And being in that situation kind of, it made me realize the state of race relations. Like, I mean, I knew it was bad, but like sometimes it's like, damn. It's like, you know, if you're in that environment for like, what, two months? And you see this every day, it's like, yeah, like, race relations are, like, really messed up right now, which certainly didn't help me when it came to, um, when it came to Trayvon's verdict. But still, even in the midst of that, yeah, I, I still didn't see all of this going on. Yeah, I think, um, I think liberals a lot of times, <clears throat> you know, as much stuff as they talk, um, they tend to be, to me at least, some of the worst racists in a lot of uh, ways. And it's that whole mindset of, <clears throat> you know, we have to help the poor, underprivileged people who can't speak up and, you know, defend themselves and all of that. And you want to do all this stuff for a good cause and whatever. <clears throat> but, because it sounds good, but... You know, what are your underlying intentions and what are the motivations behind your intentions? Like, are you doing all this because you see these cultures as inferior and you have to do something to help them? You know? Mm-hmm. And, like, are you doing it because you feel safe and protected, but then if you're actually on the elevator with somebody, are you going to cower in fear? That's, you know, pretty much unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. And like but you know, certain certain types of prejudice, I think you know sometimes I think you can't really knock ignorance because it's not necessarily a person's fault. Mhm. So if you're not exposed to black people and all you're exposed to are certain media images and stuff like that. You know, I can't really fault the person. I have to fault the whole entire system that's creating the, um, I guess, atmosphere for these types of race relations. But then once you're exposed to more things and then you know, or you know that there's something there to be exposed to and you don't seek it out and learn more, that's when I start to really fault people for it. I mean, yeah, you know, I I, I try to see it that way, but then sometimes, like, certain, certain things... Because uh, that's very true. And, you know, I, and I think everyone, you know, we all have, you know, various, you know, we're all biased and, and you know, in various ways of love like that. Mm-hmm. And, but there's always a certain way in which you should probably carry it out. And, you know, I think being disrespectful, because I, I think in a way, like, showing, it's it's like a, 
showing like fear and then and then that and then just by being like I don't know just like blatantly disrespectful mm-hmm. are kind of like two different things to me yeah. in a way. So it's one thing someone just being scared of me, which is, is very annoying. But then with someone, you know, if I'm going to the same place of business that you go to and I have the same, my money is as green as yours, mm-hmm. and I can't get the same respect, which is something I go through here quite a bit. You know, then something's wrong with that because I mean, if you see me, if you see me in in your business, you know, like, okay, it's like the like what my roommate told me in LA. He said that, you know, even though you know there are certain issues like race in South Carolina or whatever like that, he said that the white people like white people will always go out their way to say hi to you or whatever like that. And of course, that that has to do I guess like guess like what's uh, the southern southern hospitality. Mm-hmm. or whatever like that. And so sometimes it's hard for me to just say that it's the system because, you know, this is a person who I'm seeing right now who is doing this directly to me, and it's just it's just totally uncalled for. I mean, you don't have to like me. You know, like, I go, I, I want, hold on, sir. I said, but just show you that respect as a human being. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much something like that. I mean, you know, I walk down the street and I'm very, I'm very about, I'm leery of maybe seventy percent of the people who I walk past. But that don't, that doesn't mean they say something to me. I'm going to just like completely blow them off, you know, just because of that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but it's like, how, how do you fix it? Because, you know, of course, it's a, um, you know, over generations and stuff. This type of stuff is going to go away but we've had some generations and it seems like you know we're back to churches being burned and getting shot up and you know types of things that you know I just thought were you know something that you read about in history books and not see on contemporary news programs and it's (laughs) like you know it's very disheartening and it's kind of scary because it makes you wonder you know, what is the next step going to be? Like, yeah. Like, 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 what's going to happen next? And, you know, I guess Obama, uh, when he was on Mark Maron's podcast, he did kind of make a good point where he was like, you know, he doesn't really, you see, he doesn't, I, I don't get, like um, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have his, his his exact quote, but he says something to the point where you know he can't respect when people say that you know everything is still the same and race relations haven't gotten better since the '60s or whatever because you know they have improved, but there's still a long way to go. But it's like <clears throat> even with that improvement, in some respects, there's some steps backward that have been taken as well, and like. Churches being burned, like, at first, you know, the shooting, okay, that's an isolated incident. But when you have six churches that are being burned directly after that, you know, I feel like we've uh, taken a couple steps back into the dark ages right there. I mean, well, uh, I mean, well, I, I think I, I think it, just, it can be seen in both ways because, I mean, it can be seen as that we took a step back or it could just be seen as, you know, these people were looking as at they were looking for examples of what they should do because, you know, maybe they're so you know, um detached from 
you know, uh, I guess a long string of racism, for lack of a better term. Right? So, like, how, like, the guy that shot up the church, you know, he didn't know about any of this stuff until he started reading about it. Yeah. And so he's so, like, you know, maybe these people will say, oh, shit, well, okay, so we know that black people are evil, so what do we do right now to, to, to show this? Okay. And then they go back and be like, oh, okay, they burned churches, let's do that shit. Or, so, you know, something like that. And it doesn't help that you have the Confederate flag waving around, so then I'm like, oh, what does this mean? And they'll probably, you know, go back and look at that. But I mean, but even still, you know, I think the Civil War, we just went past, what, the, I think the 150th anniversary, I think, but, or whatever like that. And that's 1860s. That's still not really all that long. And, you know, um, me and you, you know, both of our, our mothers, um, were, were born in the 50s, and they remember segregation. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And then, you know, uh, to take it, take it back a bit further on our grandfather's side, his father or his grandfather was a slave? That's not, that's, that's certainly not that far away. Yeah. So I, I think that's the main thing. But then, but now, you know, even in the midst of like, what's going on right now, I remember, I think I even said this on the podcast that, you know, once all the old people die, <laughs> I think racism will finally be, be over with. But now I'm starting to think maybe, maybe not, maybe not the way I think it'll be. I'm sure it'll probably die down quite a bit, but I think, I don't know. The media does have a lot to do with this and, you know, how they portray hip hop to be this evil entity and they only want good, good niggas like Carmen and John Legend to imagine that they are the person who got shot on the face of the street while they sit up. I don't know, man, but I, I was, I was, um, because did we ever talk about that, um, that Oscar thing? Um, when they won with him, they won, they won that Oscar. I think we did talk about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was listening to a very smart brother, you know, Juicy J. Right. And um, on his mixtape, the sequel to Blue Dream and Lean, uh, he has a song called Don't. Now, the thing is, though, knowing it's a mixtape, I'm not sure if that, you know, you know how like, those that tip mixtapes are. Like, they'll just have, like, the, the, the first word of the title or whatever like that. Yeah. So maybe it's called Don't Shoot, I'm not sure. But anyway, he's saying that um, the song is really it's about police brutality. And in the beginning, he samples the the, the common speech or whatever like that. Mm. Um, and, you know, and listening to it again and over and over again, since I've listened to the mixtape quite a bit, it kind of, I don't know, something about it just kind of disturbs me. <laughs> like, this, like, I don't, it's, you see what I'm saying? Like, it, sometimes I feel like this is what they, this is what they want you to do. They want you to step out. And talk, I don't know, talk about change when there's no change, but it's easier for you to say it because, you know, no disrespect, you know, you, you have your money and you're, you're, you're quite, you know, you're quite removed from this to a certain extent. And it's like, it's funny because this is the same dude who did a song for Sada. Yes, and that's, that's, that's nothing too. It kind of stirs me about him. And it's like now you up at the White House you know, schmoozing and stuff like that. And I guess it kind of goes into that whole, um, I guess, thing with, you know, Eric Dyson and Cornell West to Mm. where, you know, 
you'll be all revolutionary, but then once you get the opportunity to schmooze with the powers and stuff like that, you'll start toning your thing down and switching it up and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But then I get, but maybe to, to be fair in Carmen's defense, um, you know, remember when he when he went to the White House and he did uh, what a poem or something like that, and yeah. he got black because someone like some congressman or some congressman or a bunch of them they went back and like looked at his history, and yeah. I think they went they went all the way back to like his first two albums and they said why would you have a fuck like that in the White House? Yeah. So to be fair, I mean you know stuff like that. Jay Z, you know he he allegedly says that you know he said that you know he can't even get into like the the most you know. Um, ex- exclusive golf course being as rich as he is. Yeah, I mean, even Oprah, she, they, uh, she had her experience in the store, I think in France or something like that. Oh, yeah, about the purse. Yeah. I guess, uh, you know, you have nigga problems and you have rich nigga problems, <laughs> but it's still nigga problems. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, mean, I thought it was interesting how, um, I think Jay-Z, speaking of him, he tried to sign Dead Prez twice, I believe. I know he tried to sign the Rockefeller, and I think he tried to sign the Rock Nation, and it was just like, nah. Well, how, how would you, how would you feel if Dead Prez signed to Rockefeller or Rock Nation right, right now? I mean, I guess as long as they drop a hot record a year, you know, at least once or twice a year, like Jay Electronica, I wouldn't be too mad, especially after hearing their last album. I think they could use a little work. Hmm. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, it seems like, you know, Jay-Z, he, he knows who he's getting. So... He you know, so I mean, like the way he's handling their their electronic and pretty much letting him do what he wants to do for the most part. Mm-hmm. It seems, and I guess he only because he understands that you know these aren't really mainstream artists and they're not going to work like that. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like um, you know how he has a J Cole or whatever, and J Cole kind of does his own thing the way he does it, and. It's interesting because Talib Kweli, um, he just wrote this long article. Um, it was on on something on uh, Inc. Magazine's website, I believe, and um, he was talking about how, um, you know, it's getting to a point where artists have to realize that they're not above or separate from the community, but they're part of the community. And he was praising, you know, Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole for, you know, really being a part of the community, kind of, and just being, like, your everyday man, I guess, and, you know, doing music for the people that kind of spreads consciousness or whatever. And he um, he, he juxtaposed them with, like, a young thug who, when they asked him about Ferguson, he just kind of brushed it off and said, he don't really know nothing about that or whatever. But he was like, at least it's good that, that at least, you know, even still that type of artist is still being asked these questions about what's going on. and um. He says something about their hair, and, you know, uh, uh, speaking about Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole, and just, you know, the way that they wear their hair, um, it just says something about them and, like, the time or something like that. And it made me think of you and how your hair is and all of that and how, you know, 
I guess that's the way to kind of show, and you know, I guess, you know, with my beard or whatever, it's like, you know, the way to show that you're, you know, for the people or something like that. I don't know. It's just, I just thought it was an interesting thing that he was saying about these types of artists, like, who just kind of do their own thing. They wear their hair a certain type of way. And, you know, this is what the new artist revolution is starting to look like. I mean, I think it really has more so to do with the music because, you know, I'm still going to say this, and it's not, I'm not really nodding him. I'm just saying that, you know, Lil, I think Lil Wayne really kind of messed up the whole concept of the dreadlocks. And you know, I'm. I mean, I'm not. I'm not it's not. It's not like a. I'm not trying to. You know, this. I mean, I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I'm just saying, though. I mean, he, he comes out with these dreads, and between you know uh, his reign through you know through the, the dedication mixtapes and you know the, the three quarters, and you see these dreads grow. As you see these dreads grow, you see people getting dreadlocks. Yeah. At, at least in our community. And I don't think that's coincidence. And well, now... Um, I guess the, uh... I guess you would call it the, uh, Huey... The, the Huey from Boondocks. Which <laughs> is the new, uh... Is, is the new Dreadlocks. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That it's like, you know, it seems like you have, like, a twist out or, like, a bush or something like that. Then that's kind of... Or, or a big or a big beard. Because, I mean, well, it, it seems like the big build has kind of been a struggle anyway because of all the people in Philly. Yeah. But see, no matter what you've done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. Like, your beard, it has to be, like, you know, well-kept, but not, not too well-kept. Like, it got to be a little wild. But the thing like, is, though, like, look, like, look at like, Freeway. Look at Freeway. His his beard is really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still kind of wild a little bit. Hmm. Like if you look at like a Freeway versus a Rick Ross. Hmm. Like Rick Ross's beard is too. You know, it's 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 too well kept. Like it's. It's like it's too shaped up. It's too everything. Like you know that he's not um, really out here. I mean, like you can tell what type of shit he's on from his beard versus you know some type of shit that Freeway would be on, or like um, somebody like a J Cole or a Kendrick would be on with their hair or something like that. You know. Mm. Well, I must admit, I mean, well, it is a nice beard, I must admit. Tell me, uh, Rick Ross? Yeah. So, uh, what I mean, do you think I mean, about... he got, like, an industry beard. I mean, yeah, but, you know, but just, I mean, but I don't know. It's, it, I, I can't respect... I, uh... I, <laughs> jail is costing me a fortune. I'm losing BET weekend money. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. You know he didn't get uh, bail. His bail was denied. Oh well, I mean, actually, I didn't. Even, I didn't even know that. But um, I was going to. Uh, I was going to ask you after. I was going to say what. I, what I was going to say about the bid about what you think about that. But um, <laughs> when 
But when it comes to his beard, though, I mean, you know, like whenever I see like a like a nice, you know, groomed beard, I can, beard, I can respect it because I just know how hard it is to grow them or like or just maintain them. Especially yeah. if you know if you have, you know, what combat like you know what combat Jack, like, Jack likes to say, you know, long, coarse, curly hair, <laughs> and not just come out and say what you really mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, but yes. Yeah, what do you think about this man? This Rick Ross stuff. Oh man, I mean, I think it's too early to tell what really happened because they said that he beat his cleaning person or some construction worker who's doing some work on his house. Yeah, I mean, his cleanup. I think either pool guy or gardener or something. I mean. I wonder what the fuck happened. Like, what made him do that? Well, you know, it was, I read somewhere that um, it was. I think this happened the day after they showed the sex tape of his baby mother in court, mm. or something like that. Like the one that Fifty Cent had something to do with, mm. and he's like, he's doing commentary as it goes on. Yeah. Yeah, so... Hold up, and man. Let me... Hold up, man. 50 Cent. <laughs> yo. Like... I'm so... Like, yo, Rick Ross... He's a... He's a strong dude. Because 50 Cent did some super asshole shit to him. I mean, 50 Cent really did Rick Ross worse than he did Ja Rule. And Rick Ross came out on top. Well, I think the thing about Ja Rule was the fact that, that he was singing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was already on a decline. But, like, yeah. this nigga 50 took, first, he took one of his baby mothers and his child out shopping. I forgot he did that. And then gave her a book deal to talk shit about him. And then put out a sex tape with his other baby mother. Like, God, but damn. but I'm assuming that but as this baby mother with the sex tape, he was still cool with her because I will feel or something like that because he because she, she went through some type of mental breakdown after the sex tape or something like that, mm. and he took care of her or something like that, and he like he he put her in the house and everything like that, and I think he was paying for her medical bills. Um, and then when this happened, then apparently he was in a bad mood and he just wanted to take it out on somebody. <laughs> but it's, but the irony of this all is that he looked from, I guess, a strictly a Maybach music, a Maybach music perspective, Meek Mill comes out and then Rick Ross goes in. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Meek Mill's album is pretty dope, too, from what I heard of it so far. Um, But, yeah, like, I don't know, like, this... (coughs) It's funny because, like, when you trace back... Excuse me for the coughing. When you trace back um, the whole history of Rick Ross, like, I think the reason that he said that... Basically, the whole thing with him and 50 beefing, he said 50 looked at him wrong or something like that. And 
Real talk, I think the thing that really kept him strong was them damn Lex Luger beats. Because mm-hmm. if, if, if Rick Ross didn't have BMF and uh, MC Hammer, you know, I mean, that's really what built up what Maybach music ended up being. I mean, well, yeah, but remember, he still, he did have, I mean, but he had, like, a little run, too, with his, um, you know, with that Lush instrumentation beat stuff that he that he was doing. You know, he had that song, what was it called, Maybach Music with Drake? Yeah, 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 he had Maybach Music, and he had the other joint, Um, I think it was, like, one of the last songs on Teflon Dawn. I think that actually might have come out before BMF, but when that yeah, BMF I mean, hit. Oh, go ahead. Like, you know, I think that run it probably would have fizzled out after a while or he would have been like some type of you know, halfway underground type of rapper. But when when that BMF hit, man, the world changed. I mean, but I mean Teflon Dawn came out in the midst of the like right in the midst of the fifty cent beef and it was Teflon Dawn against uh whatever album that fifty cent came out with that no one paid attention to. So I, so I'm thinking that one of the main things that probably also helped with Ross was the fact that 50 Cent was pretty much dead by the time uh, he got into the beef with him. Yeah, that's true, yeah. But I but mean, then, like, I think, I mean, but, like, I guess career-wise, though, like, without them two, them two, because really, matter of fact, those two songs, they were on the, the uh, Albert Anastasia mixtape, which came out before, and they caught traction off the mixtapes, and then he put them on the album. But, like, he just, he just knocked it out the park with that. And what's funny is 50 Cent, I mean, you know, you say he's kind of, you know, he's kind of dead in the water, but I guess he's kind of like a diddy, like, you know, he, 50 Cent never left. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, and in fact, I heard that he was making some funny um, Instagram comments about the Rick Ross situation, which I haven't had a chance to look at yet, but I know he said some crazy shit. Man, like, I, see, I, I think 50 just went too far, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, there's a certain thing you just, I mean, because after a while, I was going to say, well, I was going to say, what's the point of doing it? But apparently, I mean, it keeps him relevant to do these crazy antics. Yeah, and I mean, you know, at the end of each one of his antics, it's uh, effing vodka, power, frigo underwear, and SMS audio. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's interesting how, like, it seems like um, nowadays with a lot of these rappers, the singles that really pop are the ones that tend to be on mixtapes of the songs that they just, they just put out, you know, just, you know, just for the hell of it. And they don't really, they never really had much intention on making them, like, a big thing or even thought of it that they were a big thing. Yeah, I mean, but really, I mean, that's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, organic and... You know, all that good type stuff. Like, <coughs> excuse me, like, 
you always hear on Warren Epstein how a song that ended up being a big hit was like the B-side of some other single that, you know, wasn't as good. Oh, yeah. You know, it's always that that sleeper hit that, you know, you might not have put all your effort into promoting, like, this is my radio song. But, no, nah, maybe this other song is a radio song, your big hit, so. Oh, well, yeah, I mean... Um, I think, I think, I think one, one, uh, way of doing things that's kind of died out is, like, what people used to do, it seemed like, is they put out a mixtape, and then they, you know, let the streets decide what's hot off of it, and then whichever song people gravitate towards, that's the song that they pick for their single and kind of form that album around that song, or those two songs. Oh, yeah. I mean, but you see, but then I think there's also a downside of doing that. And then we, when then when you say the streets, you really talk. You re, you really mean the DJ, so it's to, for the most part. <clears throat> yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because like you know the DJs are going to pick what they like, and that's going to influence the people. But then also you got the DJs who are going to ask the people what they want to hear, or they're going to take notice of what people are playing while they're out and about, and they start dropping the albums I mean dropping the cuts while they out so I think it's more of a, like a sim, like a like a um you call it a symbiotic relationship to where you know I think it goes both ways I mean well I think to a certain extent it does but I feel like you know based on like the oral history that you know that we have about Fairmarch and Simon Says from Juan Epstein and and oh, Combat yeah. that um Pretty much, Buster Rhymes heard it, and he said, Flex has to hear this, and Flex liked it so much that he pretty much just put on the radio and told people that they had to hear this. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Uh, If only to have that kind of power. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's a lot of power, man. And, And, you know, he... And I never really thought about it, but, you know, just how, like, his age and how long he's been in the game, and his name even shows it. (laughs) <laughs> like he has a really dated name Funk Master Flex <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't like like he kept it like, like like you don't see any Grand Wizards out here really popping or nothing like that <laughs> or, or, or Grand Masters but, but the Funk Master is still still going yeah but um, you, you know, like another single, like um, like listening to Juicy J, like on the on on like on the Breakfast Club interviews that he did during the first run of his album, or during during his album run, um, and him talking about pretty much how it came to be, and that he was just in the studio, like you know, in the hotel room, he recorded the song, and he just decided just to put it out on Twitter, and it became this big thing. And he, I think he said that people had to tell him that that it was that it was like on the radio. So he had no idea. And oh, yeah. what, what was it? It was um, huh? Huh? Uh, bands make a dance, right? Yeah, yeah. Bands make a dance. And um, he said that he didn't even. He it wasn't even right. Even actually, I think he said that even by the time when he when he was on the Breakfast Club, his his album was about to come out. He said that he wasn't even sure if it was registered with BDS or not. <laughs> He said he had no idea. He said someone said something about it. He said he forgot about it. 
And then I think Charlemagne said, well, I know it's going to be the us now. And then Juicy J was like, you know, for real, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, I mean, look at him. I mean, but the thing is, though, mixtapes mixtapes have really become albums, though. So yeah. what's the point of buying an album when you can get this mixtape, like Juicy J's mixtape, um, you know, the one that he put out a while back? It's nothing but a, it's nothing but an album. Now the only thing that that may not make it an album is the fact that maybe he can't clear certain samples that he used off that he's using. And that makes the mixtape even better than the album. Yeah, because you wouldn't have heard that on the album. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just I'm just wondering, man. Like, because the thing about I, I have no idea how the album will be. I think is uh, this next album is going to suck. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. I mean, when you look at... It's funny, too, because, you know, when you look at certain rappers, and I guess this is a trend that that hasn't really happened a whole lot recently, but it used to be the thing in the late 90s and in the, in the 2000s or whatever, like a hard-ass mixtape and then a weak-ass album. But then I have seen it kind of more recently, like take Meek Mill's first album, for example. Like, the album was pretty whack, but before it, he had Dream Chasers 2, and like a month after, he had Dream Chasers 3. And it's like the only thing people remember off that first album is the intro. But then, off Dream Chasers 3, people know Tony's story and, you know, all, all, all these different records that were popping off. <laughs> so, um, and even like Fabulous, like, you know, how he'll have these hard-ass mixtapes, and then the album would just be a whole bunch of, like, soft-ass, you know, shooting for radio hits. I, but, you know, whenever whenever he shoots for radio, he, he ends up getting radio. This is the amazing, the amazing thing about Fabulous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the thing about him is, He'll have his radio hits, and his radio hits are actually good. Like, like I'd rather hear his radio hits than a lot of other people's. But yeah, I mean, yeah, throwing throw the bag wasn't that bad to me. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I mean, I really like the remix. I wasn't really a fan of the first one, but it's like sometimes it feels like his whole album is trying to be radio hits. Even even the last one. Not. Oh, you talking about the, the the young OG project? Oh, that was an album. Yeah, but oh, well, the young OG project that was um that was like a mixture of like mixtape cuts, right? Um, I mean, I think he put it, <coughs> excuse me, he put it out as an album. Okay, like, well, um. Well, no, I'm talking about his uh, um, his last studio album. That was a, that was a while ago. Almost like what four years ago now. That was a long ass time ago. Yeah, but no, had, like um, I was gonna say they had uh, when the money goes on it, right? Yeah, yeah, and pretty much like you know half of that album was nothing but like Jay Z throwaways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think about it, it really, it really didn't sound like a. You know, your typical fabulous album where, like, every song has, you know, like, little mole, superwoman type shit on it or something like that. Yeah, it seemed like he was, <clears throat> excuse me, 
I think it seemed like he was trying to, you know, I guess make more of an album <clears throat> since he kind of like doesn't really have that. Because I guess, you know, in the hip-hop head world, he's able to, to survive off the mixtapes, you know, his mixtape legacy. Oh, don't forget about, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if he, has he made, um, his appearance, an appearance on Love and Hip Hop? Don't get me the line, I have no idea, I think he has. Yeah, because I know his baby mother, his girlfriend is on there, and whenever I walk past the TV when I'm at home, I hear about, I hear someone say fab, so. Yeah, I'm not sure, but, um, so when, so the, when the money goes, um, they kept Jay-Z's vocals on there, right, or they, or did they take them off? I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember either. I think they took them off. <clears throat> or if they left them on, they might have just been on the hook. Okay, all right, because I, I, I know they had, they had to do something, because I know when the original one leaked, it was an elaborate song. Yeah, like a four-minute, a four-minute Jay-Z song, and then it was cut down like two minutes, two and a half minutes for Fabulous. Yeah. And that was mm. supposed to be in what? That was like an American gangster throwaway? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder who made that beat, though, because it didn't sound like a, like a Jay-Z beat or, um, or a Sean C. and LV one. I don't know. It kind of sounded like Sean C. LV to me a little bit. Just maybe not as fleshed out. I mean, I mean, well, I think the drum, but if if anything, maybe the drums, but it just sounded too too synthy. Like there was like no, there wasn't like there wasn't any type of like live instrumentation or yeah. samples that I could hear. Let's see. When the money goes, will the honey stay? <laughs> Let's see who produced this record. Um, producer Jermaine Dupree and Sammy Wolf. Nice, so it must have been Sammy Wolf. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just can't see JD making something like. But I, I bought the Sims sound like JD. If, if anything. But um, oh, so I meant to. I mean, I ask you. Um, so, are you doing any? Is your your job or someone? Are they doing anything for uh, Fourth of July? Oh, yeah. So yeah, they're doing a um a Fourth of July, I guess, potluck. <laughs> so you know, <clears throat> we all come and wear our red, white, and blue. I guess bring a good old American dish. Mm. And, of course, the email for it came from someone who is, you know, retired military. And my whole thought was, man, we should have had a Juneteenth potluck. Mm. But if I do bring something... I think I'm going to bring some curry, red beans, and rice. I mean, well, I don't think people will be mad at that. I mean, because red beans and rice are, are very American nowadays. Yeah. But, I'm not, would you make it from scratch or would you get like some Zatarans or something? Uh, I was just going to get some, some beans out of a can, drain them, throw the curry <laughs> in there, <laughs> do the microwave rice. 
mix mm-hmm. it up. Call it a day. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you don't got to do too much for these people. But um, I'm curious. So when you go into work, how many black people do you see I, um, by the time your day's over? A good amount. Probably like half the office is probably black. Let me see. When I walk into work, maybe a little bit less than half the office. I see one, two, three, four, five. Maybe it's less than I thought. So that's five right there. That's just walking in. And then it's probably like another five to ten more. Maybe maybe like five to seven more. That I see throughout the course of the day, just in passing. Mm-hmm. I say like ten more. I see I see a good amount of black people. Um, in terms of black males, though, because it's like pretty much all women. It's like two other black dudes. Mm-hmm. One of which who um, <clears throat> that same weird. White guy keeps getting me confused with, so he keeps calling me Jay, even though I don't have dye in my beard. Oh, so he called you? He, he called you Jay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the other black dude's name. Okay, damn. Like yeah, sometimes when I, whenever I'm in that situation, I try to decide if I should like correct them, like really quick. But then I don't want to. I don't want to come off like some type of weird asshole. Well, see, I don't want to. En- I don't want to engage in conversation any longer than what I have to. So, mm. I just try to exit the situation and leave you with whatever it is that you think is going on with my name. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was good. I remember I told you about the uh, the occurrence I had here when. Um, uh, the what is it, I guess he was some type. I don't know what he was, but he got me. He 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 mistaken me for someone else, and uh, he said. So he told me, you know, you were in philosophy, right? And I and the thing was though, I figured he whenever someone comes up to me mm-hmm. and they talk to me, they they start, they start talking to me and they're having a conversation, and I don't know them. I pretty much know why they're talking to me. <laughs> um, although sometimes I've, I've been wrong a lot. Of, actually, a lot of times I've been wrong. Cause I, I just really don't know who they are, but um, yeah, with him, you know, yeah. So you're in such and such, and I'm like, no, um, you're thinking about, you know, so and so. And this guy's like, oh my god, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's okay. And he's like, no, it's not okay. You know, we, you know, it was kind. Of, he was on some type of liberal shit after a while. It was funny though because I was at some type of weird conference and we're talking about it was based around race and trying to figure out the the, the problems with race. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of us having this conversation, there was like someone up on stage talking about um, what needs to be done with race and you know how everyone just needs to to be to be coming together and get to really know each other or something. You know, some some liberal shit. And. <laughs> And um, in the midst of like the woman, like the woman, like her words were reverberating, you know, coming through the speakers outside of like the uh, the area. He's like, "Oh my God, you know, see, this is what we're talking about about race." And I did it, 
and all this and that, and, you know, and da 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 And I'm like, it's okay. He's like, no, it's not okay. I'm like, well, I said, you have a good day, sir. Yeah, you know, don't call me sir. And I'm, and I'm like, well, okay, I wasn't, you know, I didn't see it as kind of a racial thing. I would, and I said, you know, I would, I would, you know, think that you would call me sir as well. He's like, oh, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you're sir. Or so, you know, I think that's a whole big complicated thing. So after that um, issue, I kind of figured that maybe I should try to stay away from correcting people and all this other type of stuff. I mean, that goes to this whole thing that's going on right now, especially in the comedy world of um, political correctness. And, you know, especially coming from the liberal side and how a lot of times you try to be politically correct and you end up, you know, looking like an asshole and end up sounding more racist or, um, you know, just ignorant about whatever it is that you are trying to... uh, stay away from so <laughs> you sound like the you sound like the uh, the last one Epstein episode <laughs> <laughs> that's why they did talk about it on that yeah um, but yeah he's sitting there trying to be all politically correct you know sound like a, like a dickhead like don't call me so, like he's being polite yeah and and but that's the thing, like, but like me trying to correct his political correctness in a in a way kind of made me seem as an asshole. Like, well, at least I feel that way. But I was really trying to say it's okay, it's not a big deal. I get it all the time. I'm not, I don't really, you know, I'm not. It doesn't really affect me the way it probably maybe should. But then at the same time, you know, I, I get people mixed up, you know. And the thing, too, is he is trying to tell you how you should think. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's telling oh, you. Oh, man. Like, 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 you're telling him something is okay from your experience as a black man, and this white man is telling you that you're wrong about your own experience. And I mean, you are an educated <laughs> black man. An educate, so you're an educated black man, and a white man is going to tell you that you're wrong about your own experience, about something being okay or not. Hey, well, I mean, well, technically, I, I go through that quite a bit. And, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not talking about outside of, like, study. Mm. You know, like, I've talked to certain people, and, you know, I've, I, had, I had one person, you know, he said, well, if this was in the midst of, uh, God, you know, it's, 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 this is sad. It's 2015. And I'm getting, you know, and I can't keep up with, you know, the, the certain period dates or whatever when, like, certain, uh, when, when a black person got shot. Um, I'm assuming it was probably Ferguson. And somehow, somewhere, because I, I because I was in the circle, I guess they felt that it was best to have a car. No, no, it wasn't. It was it was based on what happened here, actually. Um, all the, you know, the race that that SAE thing that happened, and um. I guess because I got into the circle, you know, people wanted to talk about that. Because I guess it's, I guess to make me feel better and to make me think that they are these super liberal people who love who love every race, and you know they were talking and whatever like that. 
And, you know, I said, I said something, I put my two cents in because they, you know, you know how you're, in that, you're like in that type of that situation and pretty much they're, they're talking because they want to see what you think, although they don't make it seem that way. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm learning, I just, I've become more blunt about it. You know, I sometimes like, yeah, something you white motherfucker, uh, something like that. So pretty much I'm like, yeah, you know, I walk every, I walk through here every day, you know, I experience, you know, some type of racism. This is a, a regular thing. And so I said that, you know, someone was like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. But come on, I mean, I'm sorry to say, man, it's your hair. Now, I could have went a bit further, but something told me not to do it based on the environment I was in and who I was talking to, so I just, I just let it go. But I wanted to say so bad. Maybe I will say it next time because I don't have much patience no more. I'm getting tired. Uh, you know that, well... I'm saying, I'll, I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry to, to tell you that I was going through the same thing when I had my hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's the, uh, that's, a, that's the, uh, the quiet revolution of a tired black man. <laughs> I mean, it is, but see, this irony is, though, well, knock on wood. I've never had any issues with cops having his hair. I've only had issues with cops when I've had my hair cut. Mm. And I think sometimes this, 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 I think sometimes my hair deters people because you know he's like, oh, he's probably one of those revolutionary black people. And if I fuck with him, he's going to have you know L. Sharpton and and the fruit of and the fruit of Islam on me or something like that. <laughs> and I and I'm dead, I'm dead serious when I say that. I really think that. So. I don't know what to say, but I know that sometimes, a lot of times, you know, some of the worst things that I went through, dealing with cops or whatever like that, I had my hair cut. Mm. And I wasn't, when I wasn't all that young. So I don't know. Mm. It's an interesting world we live in. It is an interesting world, man. Damn. Like, it's funny because you know, I think it's 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 like an interesting thing when you talk about, I guess, putting fear into the cops of you know what type of uh, of Negro you are, because you know when you approach cops in a certain type of way, like when you're very respectful and all that, but you're also um confident you know you look them in the eye and stuff and you you know you know you speak to them as if they're like a person Mm -hmm. you know you get a different type of reaction sometimes you know like when they i guess you can tell when they feel like you know some shit Mm -hmm. and you know the way that they deal with you versus you know without and I guess with the hair, you don't have to necessarily open your mouth. It's kind of like it just shows on you, like, don't mess with me because <laughs> you got another thing coming, Mr. Officer. <laughs> well, oh, I forgot to tell you. So um, I was um, walking. So I was walking somewhere, and I was on the phone with my mother, and I saw this cop pull over this um, Hispanic guy. He looked this man. So, so he, you know, he he pulls over. He turns into like this parking lot that I always walk past. And so, um, 
so I stopped and I was standing there and I told my mother, I said to be quiet real quick because I, I was looking at this this uh, officer pull pull over this um this, this Hispanic guy. Of course, you know the, the the cop was white, and it was funny too because when I think the guy who was sitting, it's kind of weird because like where where I was, there was this um like this like a bench under this tree. Mm. And a, but it's like kind of like a love seat looking thing, and there was like this one white guy re- reading the newspaper, older white guy. And so I think he overheard me say that, and so he started looking at it. So we were just sitting there, just standing there, just looking at, at this guy, and it seemed like it was a, a rather, um, you know, a civil exchange. There wasn't anything that I noticed, but I figured that I would just stand there and see, like, see what would happen. And I noticed that the cop, he noticed me, and so he was looking back at me, like, the whole time. So he would kind of, like, do it, like, a double take looking at me. Mm. And and then, so, I figured after a while, I said, I guess there's nothing going on. So then I, I, started, I started walking. And then I come back. Um, I come back the, the, the next day. I know, I come, I come back up. You know, the car's gone. But I noticed that the car had 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 his lights on. The car had the lights on, and but like the car was all tinted though. Like it was like really dark tint, so I couldn't see inside. And I just found it kind of weird mm. because it it didn't move. Like it was in the same exact spot where he pulled up. He he got pulled over by the cop. Mm. And I don't think I don't think the engine was on. I mean, it was it was kind of weird. So I have no idea what happened to this dude. Damn. Yeah. Do you feel like in the current climate, <clears throat> do you feel like it's a civic duty to monitor the uh, police? Uh, I think to a certain extent, yeah. And you know, when when I say that, it harkens back to you know, like you know, you remember how you would see like a movie or something like that, maybe like a comedy. And it'll be some like some type of like nerdy dude or whatever like that, and he'll say, "Oh, I'm 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 putting you under civil civil arrest." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or some some dumb shit like that. Yeah, and then they just kind of brush it off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Citizens arrest, which actually is kind of a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, so it kind of reminded me of that. So it seems like it seems like something that white white people do to <laughs> to a certain extent, or well, at least this is what it's been portrayed in white culture, at least. Um, so I think, you know, I guess the idea of, I guess, citizens arrest and, I guess, my own amusement. Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole thing here in Baltimore is that the cops feel restricted because whenever they try to do something, a whole bunch of people are around them with, uh, with cell phone cameras. And, like... I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and like part of the whole revolutionary training or whatever that's going on, you know, they tell you now, make sure your phone is charged when you go out. Um, if you if you record any police activity, make sure you're zoomed all the way out. Don't zoom in because it makes it hard. Like you know, it's like a whole list of shit that you do so that you can be prepared to, um, you know, monitor and record the police. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, I think it's a it's, it's a interesting like. It's interesting to see how how things are mobilizing now in a way that they haven't in so long. Like, now people have tactics and strategies of how to, you know, kind of fight for freedom and justice and equality in their own way. 
Yeah, I mean, but you know, even like, even like with with this whole thing with the the people watching, like watching the cops, and you know, technically, you know, these are tax dollars at work. Yeah. So and so, I mean, I'm I'm sure it's pretty legal that if I went over there and said, "What are you doing?" <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's really out of my jurisdiction to to like to, to really ask him that. But the thing is, though, and there's just this, you know, this this um, and we've talked about this before. This 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 rule that just remains unsaid that you know that a black person has to stay in this place when it comes to the cops. You just can't do certain things. You know, it's not good to walk around at night. I mean, I know when I walk around campus at night, I'm coming from the robbery at 1 o'clock in the morning with a big... It's just, I don't know, I don't know. It, it, this is what kills me, but I guess from the outside looking in, you know, I could have, you know, a bomb that will destroy the entire world or, or I mean, or something. I don't know. But if I'm walking with a big... See, this is my thing. If I'm walking with a big-ass book bag, it, it, it's pretty oversized. I have, I have it slung over my bag or whatever like that. There has to be something in there, and you see me. I'm, and you see me, and I'm walking. The path I'm walking in is the path that goes to the library. And you know, being a cop on campus, that the library closes at two o'clock in the morning. What am I doing? But no, you'll see. I'll see a cop. It's every time. It, it is kind of annoying. A cop car will come at speed, and then it'll start slowing down just to look at my ass. When I just got done looking at, you know, a book for two, three hours. <laughs> and it's like they're not doing this for, the, for anybody else. Yeah they, they, yeah, they don't do it for anyone else. And, you know, I, and I've had, and, you know, I was thinking about what you said about, um, you know, like, my, uh, the interview that, that, I, that I just recently had. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and based on the outcome, um, uh, what you said makes a lot, lot, a lot more sense now. Hold on, what did I say again? Um, pretty much you said that I made myself seem a bit too intelligent, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. you start dropping all that knowledge and stuff like that. People don't want to deal with you. You want them uppity Negroes. That's the thing. I mean, you would think you would want someone to know that, that that's interested in knowing more about the liquor industry, or or knowing about ordinance and no shit. I can't even say the word or liquor licenses. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, um, I mean, I think that's that's the quality of of a poor leader, because you know, you look at like you know stuff like the laws of power and all that. You wanna get somebody smarter and keep them under you and have them work for you and take the credit. You don't want to push them away. Yeah, but see, but then, like, the thing is, though, like, then why, like, why did he put me on the spotlight about my research? See, this is the thing that's starting to piss me off, though. People are more interested in me than they are, than, than they are about what I can do for them. <laughs> like, the same thing with, man, fuck it, with, with, the, with the church. Right. She wrote down the ideas that I had for that I had for the children. Wrote it down, clip pretty much everything I said, like on some Motown Barry Gordy type shit, and just took it and probably just ran with it. And for all I know, it's probably it's probably implemented in in the whole in the, in the general fabric of their lesson plans now. Yeah, 
Free. Yeah, for free. And all they had to do was sit sit and talk with my black ass for thirty minutes. Mm. So I mean, but it, and but then like I was talking with my mother, it, like I, I was telling her about you know like uh, like how I you know like walking around here or whatever like that. And I'm just noticing certain things now. I will, to be fair, I will say that maybe this is just in my head, but I notice certain things. Like, if, if I'm at a liquor store, and this is one thing that I notice, I can't get eye-to-eye contact with, you know, someone at the cash register. I'll go up and, you know, we'll say, oh, okay, thanks. Next person comes up who's white. Oh, thank you. Have a good day. You know, with eyes pop open and everything. Mm. Stuff like that. I mean, and, and it's not just at the liquor store, and, 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 it's, and it's usually it's with certain people. It's not with everyone in that store. It's certain ones. Even like if I go to a coffee shop, and I don't, and I and like the coffee shop with certain people, I really don't think this is a coincidence. Like I'm waiting for my drink. Two people come up. Thanks. Have a good day. Thank you know. Thank you. Have a good day. You know, swishing it up. Everything. Their eyes popped open, looking at them, getting them eye contact. I come up, I go there every, you know, more than once a week. I go up there, I'm like, thank you. And oh, thanks. You know, like like a, a soft thanks, you know, kind of like, like, kind of like on the same level as the scarf hand. Mm. You know, stuff like shit like that, you know, and this is, this happened in a lot of stores I go to. And I had the same money. <laughs> and it's 2015. And so I told my I told my mother that, and she was like, "Maybe you should just maybe you should think about coming back to the East Coast." And I know, like, you know, and and, and I know, like, thinking thinking about how she's thinking, she's probably, you know, she's already probably half paranoid because you know everything's looking like like the like the rides from the '60s anyway, and you know stuff like that and what's going on. So she'd probably rather me come back up north anyway. Yeah. It's only so much you can do, you know. Yeah, but like, but like the thing about eye contact, it just kind of like it, it, you know, it kind of just baffles me. Like, what's so hard about getting my eye contact? Yeah, uh, your magical nigger eyes. They <laughs> like put a nigger spell on them. <laughs> Make them stop. Um, Oh shit! Maybe I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know. Something something has to give about these race relations going on right now. Um, get get too old for this. I mean, I guess more black men need to start fucking white women. <laughs> black women need to start fucking white men, and there's your race relations right there. I mean, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because like, a lot of these things are really rampant in hip hop. <laughs> you know, these ideas of you know all, all this interracial love and everything like that. I mean, even down to the red bones to a certain extent. You know, all they talk about red bones. Um, you know, they they smoke. You know, they smoke so much that that, that they look Asian. 
and you know they and you know and they they sniffing white girl while they have a white girl like how Juicy J says. And it's funny though, like his Twitter though, like look at his like pictures that he puts up of his like his um his concerts. Mm-hmm. There's nothing but white people. Nothing but. So maybe looking at UCJ gives me hope for the future, and that when all the old people die, maybe there will be something that changes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, UCJ, the Academy Award winner. Yeah, or even even like Schoolboy Q's um the album cover to his first album, and I think and that album cover is either revolutionary or counter revolutionary. I don't know, but it was a it was an ill album cover though. You remember it? Uh, you talking about for um for which one setbacks or for um habits and contradictions? Yeah, habits and oh, oh habits and contradictions. That's the second album. Uh, it's so hard to, to really tell what the album is these days, but yeah, that was like his second one. Well, yeah, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm looking at it now. That's a dope album cover, and I don't I don't know, and see, the thing is, I don't know if that was like a, a statement or what, I have no idea, I, I would love to know. I mean, just like with all art, it's up to the interpretation, and I think that the title of the project kind of tells you right excuse me the title of the project kind of tells you you know right there it could be taken a lot of different ways (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know I think I think if I had to say I think that was like the um I guess between that and the ASAP Rockies uh, cover I think those are two hardest album covers I've seen in a long long time yeah, the ASAP joint is, um, <coughs> excuse me, it's kind of dope, especially how he had Yam's little face mark, um, on there. Yeah. With, um, starting to give out, oh, man, I think we probably wrap this up. All right, cool. Um, I guess in closing... For you, the listeners of the Channel 10 Podcast, just want to remind you that Audible is offering a free audio audio book download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out the service. I recommend that you check out, uh, um, what you call it, um, Race Matters, since that's what we're talking about, by Cornell West. Um, it's a dope book right there. Check it out by going to audibletrial.com slash channel 10 once again audibletrial.com slash channel 10 and we out peace Feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. Roll up, son. You gotta just do it, CNN. yo. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different again. channel, son. Roll up, on, man. Roll up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll up, all good, baby, in every Roll hood, son. Roll up, yep. CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network, Channel 10, it's on again, street niggas that's grown men, bo
whole face. Get in your face. Stay in place. Yo, crime lace. Catch more beef to Scarface.